Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 112 of the Money Love Podcast. So y'all, happy birthday to me. (laughs) It is my birthday, August 15th. I am turning 34 today. And when I'm recording this, it's not my birthday, but the day that this episode is dropping is my 34th birthday. And when I was looking out on the calendar to kind of schedule out podcast episodes in advance, noticing that my birthday was on a Tuesday this year and going, oh my gosh, I can release kind of like a birthday podcast episode. Since the episodes come out on Tuesdays and my birthday is on a Tuesday, I was like, you know what? We should kind of do like a 34 life lessons that I've learned by age 34, because I know that this is a trend that kind of got some momentum on social media, which I really enjoy. Like I love hearing like when somebody is like, hey, I have a life lesson for you or this concept or this revelation just changed my life or it totally altered the way that I think or the way that I operate in my day-to-day. I'm always like, oh my God, like I have to know, tell me what is it, right? And so this is just going to be a really fun episode today that I'm excited to share just 34 life lessons with you guys that I feel like I've learned by my 34th birthday. I can't say that all of these lessons are lessons that I've learned in the past year. Some of them certainly have been. If you guys have been longtime listeners of the podcast or at least around for the last year, you probably have seen just a big change in me this year. I mean, so many things have changed in my life in the past year. I went into my business full time. We moved into our new home. I became a mom. My husband lost his job. Like, we've just been through so many radical shifts. And I can, without a doubt, no questions asked, like it's not even close. This past year has been the hardest year of my life in a lot of ways and the most challenging. And in a lot of other ways, it's been the best year of my life where there's been so many amazing things that have happened. And this year has been a year of contrast of the 50-50 truly for me. It has been a year of like the highest of highs and a year of the lowest of lows. And I feel like I've grown so much in this past year. I feel like I have grown and evolved more in the past year than I probably did the previous five. And so even though 34 is kind of like this like awkward, weird birthday, I'm like, you know what? I feel like I have a lot to share, a lot to impart. And maybe some of you guys like are older than me and these are all going to be things that you're like, oh, yep, know that one. Oh, yep, learned that one a long time ago. But I don't know. This is just for me what feels true for me and the things that are on my heart and that I want to share with you guys this week. And I want to say this as well before I jump in. I know in my last episode, the one about the shopping sprint, for probably like the first 20 to 25 minutes of that episode, I was kind of just sharing with you guys and being vulnerable with you guys about how things have just been hard. They've been tough. It's been a challenging summer and I haven't really been like super okay. And then I know I was like, I'm back. And then I didn't put out any episodes for like three weeks. And some of you guys, like not a ton, I don't want to make it seem like, oh my God, so many of you guys are checking on me. 
But I have gotten some messages of you guys just saying like, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I know that you said that you weren't doing great and we haven't heard from you. And I just want you guys to know that like I'm doing good. I'm doing better. And actually, the reason that I've kind of been offline for the past three weeks is because I've really decided to make some big moves and some big shifts in my business that I think are going to be really exciting like for me and for a lot of you. And I'm not going to share that in this episode. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put out an episode on Thursday of this week, just sharing what's coming. And so for those of you who kind of have more of an interest in the business side, you kind of have more of an interest in working together and getting coaching together and just being in my world and being in my community outside of the weekly podcast. Thursday's episode is definitely one that you're going to want to tune in on because I'm going to be sharing all the details here. Because if I do it in this episode, this episode's going to be like two hours. 34 things is a lot of things. <laughs> As I was writing this out, I was like, oh, 34 things. Like, that's nothing. That's going to be no problem. And I actually didn't have a super hard time coming up with him, but I got to about number 17 and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm only halfway through. Like, 34 is a lot of things. I want to say this before I start every single one of these items, I could do a standalone 30 to 45 minute podcast episode on, on all 34 of these. And in fact, a lot of these I already have. For points or life lessons that I've already done a past podcast episode on, I will make sure to mention that to you so that if there's one that you really like and resonates with you and you're like, I wish I could hear more about that. I wish I could hear you know, Paige kind of expand on that point a little more than just a couple of sentences, I will make sure to give you the podcast episode to reference back on. If I haven't done a podcast episode on it and it interests you, please let me know. Please say like, hey, that point was super, super intriguing to me. I would love to hear you say more on that and I will for sure add it to the future lineup. So again, I'm only going to be mentioning just like a couple sentences on each of these because in order to get through them in a timely manner, we just got to kind of get going and go through them. So although I would love to sit here and talk about each one of these for 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to go kind of quickly. But again, if there's anything you want me to dive deeper on, just shoot me an email or a message and let me know. I've kind of broken them up into different categories and topics. So we have mindset, emotions, life skills, money management, spending, and then just kind of like general life skills or general life lessons. I want to start with mindset. I have three for you here. So the first life lesson that I have learned in 34 years of age, which is probably one of the most profound and life-altering revelations for me, which is why it's first up, number one, you guys have heard me talk about this before, but it's just the notion that you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of them and the observer of them, and that your thoughts oftentimes aren't necessarily true and that one of the most important and impactful life skills that you can learn is the skill of gaining awareness over the thoughts that your brain wants to offer you and becoming the watcher and the observer of them, almost like a scientist who is observing a subject and detaching yourself from your thoughts, looking at them with compassion and curiosity, and then question them, question the heck out of them. Ask yourself, is this true? Do I like this thought? Does this feel aligned to me? And probably most importantly, is this thought giving me the result that I want? Being able to separate a fact of the world from simply just your thought, your perspective, or your interpretation of that fact via a thought or belief truly is a superpower. That if you can learn to do that, your life will change in ways that you never thought possible. 
Number two, which again is in the mindset category, is that your brain really is super dramatic and it is a bully. And your brain does not have your best interest at heart. I think oftentimes we think that it does, like, oh, my brain wants to do what's best for me. But your brain wants pleasure, your brain wants to repeat the past, and your brain wants to keep you stuck and in the cave. I've also learned that like things are never as bad, things are never as dark or as gone as you think that they are. And there's always a silver lining to be found and there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. You just have to find it and you just have to understand that your brain is designed in a way to keep you stuck and moving backwards. And so understanding how your brain is designed to work is one of the most powerful tools to actually getting yourself to move forward. I've done a past podcast episode on this. It's episode 95. It's the episode titled, Your Brain is a Bully. It's a great one. Go check that one out. Number three, which again is in the mindset category, is that your language is the most powerful tool that you have. And because of this, you have to be super aware and super conscious of the stories that you're attached to and the labels that you put on yourself. Because your brain wants to be right. Your brain wants to confirm what it believes. And so the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you talk about others, the way that you talk about money, the words you use, the language that you use, it is powerful. And if you want to transform your life, start by transforming your words. Now I want to move into emotions. Okay. This is probably the biggest lesson that I learned this past year. This past year, I guess you could say my 33rd year of life was all about really digging in to my emotional wellness. And I think number four for me in this category is just, it's okay to not be okay. I think it took me 33 years of life to really get to the point where I not only allowed myself permission to not be okay all the time, to not be productive all of the time, and also realizing as well that negative emotion is not a bad thing. Opening yourself up to the negative emotion that you're experiencing can be so powerful. There is so much growth waiting for you in the negative emotion that you might be feeling. Like There's so much that can be produced in you by going through what feels like a really hard, challenging, and difficult time. If that's you, if you and I are kind of in the same boat in that way, like don't resist it, embrace it. Embracing it and opening yourself up to it is the way to get you through to the other side. And again, there's so much beauty that's going to come out of it. Five, six, and seven are really all about like important life skills where I started thinking about, okay, what are the most important life skills that I think are really, really important that people don't often talk about? So those are the next three. So number five is that being decisive, being someone who can make decisions and have their own back after making a decision and isn't going to wallow in the land of indecision. It's one of the biggest life skills that you can build. And yes, it's a skill, right? Like being able to become a decisive person to develop that muscle of making decisions. And this doesn't mean making quick and rash decisions, but it just means not buffering in the indecision, not stalling your life because you're agonizing and you're going back and forth between like, what's the right path and the wrong path? I don't want to make a mistake. And I think the way that I've become such a decisive person and I'm able to make decisions really quickly and as a result, move my life forward at a pace that a lot of others aren't able to is because I simply came to the realization that 
there's no such thing as a right or a wrong decision. That what makes something a right or wrong decision is my decision about the decision, right? It's me deciding like, was this the right choice or wasn't it the right choice? And that there's no decision God that's, you know, up in the sky, that's the ultimate decider of that. And so after knowing that of going, okay, no matter what I decide, I can just decide that this was the right choice. And even if I want to decide later on down the road that it wasn't, I still have my own back no matter what. So being a decisive person is such an important life skill. I would say number six, the next one is just being somebody who can delay gratification. And again, this is a skill. This is something that you have to practice becoming somebody who is future focused, who is always thinking about future you and what's best for her and making the choice that's best for her in the moment versus what feels best in this moment. Again, there's just so much good and so much that's produced in us by being somebody who can say like, okay, I'm going to make the hard choice now. I'm going to choose discomfort now so that I can get what I want most in the future. And I've done actually several, several episodes on this. Episode 41, Instant versus Delayed Gratification, is a great one. Two more popped into my head that I forgot to jot down. I want to say it's like 76. It's the episode called Your Financial BFF. And then I've also done another episode that's called The One Thing That You Can't Avoid About Discomfort. But again, if you are somebody who you're like, yes, I absolutely want to I want to become more disciplined. I want to become somebody who's skilled in the art of delaying gratification. Those are all three amazing episodes that you can start with. Now, number seven, this is the third life skill, kind of coming back to the emotions, but it's just becoming somebody who is a good feeler. You guys have heard me say this so many times, but and I say this in overcoming overspending all the time, but it's like you don't have a shopping problem. You have a feeling problem. Anything that you are overing in or anything that you are using as a buffer or a distraction, that's simply just the symptom. If you're spending too much, eating too much, drinking too much, buffering too much on social media, that's simply just the symptom of your resistance to feeling the emotion. And I remember the one time that I heard my coach say that the life that you've always wanted and really anything that you want in life is simply sitting on the other side of an emotion of opening yourself up to an emotion. All the things that we want, but we don't yet have, it's simply because we're not willing to do the things required to get there. But when we ask the question of like, okay, well, why am I not willing to do the things that it's required of me? It's always because of a resistance to an emotion. And all the things that we're doing that we know we shouldn't be doing or that we don't want to be doing or that are creating net negative consequences in our life. And we ask the question, why am I doing this? I, I don't know. Like, why do I keep doing this thing that I know isn't good for me? Again, it's because you are resisting an emotion. And so when you can learn to open yourself up and when you can learn to feel, it's almost like you become unstoppable. I honestly remember learning this. I really did feel like I had kind of learned the secret to the universe. Like people always say, oh, there's no secret sauce. But I really think that this one <laughs> might actually be the secret sauce. So five, six, and seven, these are kind of like life skills, right? Being a decisive person, being able to make decisions and move your life forward, gather information and keep going, having your back no matter what, delaying gratification, and becoming somebody who is an emotionally mature person. Those are three life skills that I'm like, okay, if we can just do those three things, we're 90% of the way there. All right. Now I have like eight through 13 are all about money. 
money is 90% mental and emotional rather than math. I remember when I was little, maybe not little, but like a teenager and even in my early 20s, money to me was simply just math. It was black and white. It was numbers. And now I see it's so much more than that. It is deeply rooted in psychology. It is deeply rooted in our past and our trauma and our emotions. And I think in order to be financially successful, you have to tap into those parts of it. It cannot simply just be about the budget or the math or the black and white. Because if you try to make it that, all of the things underneath the surface, right, the mental parts of it, the emotional parts of it will always come bubbling back up to the surface. And so knowing that, I just want to put this caveat, like knowing that it's mostly mental and emotional and it's tied so deep, it is okay to make decisions with your money that don't necessarily follow the rules, the black and white rules, or even things that just don't even make any sense to other people. Because I think what I've realized is if it makes you happy, if it buys you peace of mind, if it feels aligned to you, that is seriously all that matters. And you shouldn't feel the need to justify it, to sell it, or really like to compare it to anyone else. Number nine is that it's never, ever, ever too late to start. You're never behind. You are exactly where the universe wants you or whatever you believe. You're exactly where God wants you, the higher power, the source, like whatever you believe. Like I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but I always believe it's like you are right on track. You're never behind. And again, going back to kind of this last point, it's like because of that, there's really just, there's no point and there's also no fruit out of comparing your journey with others. I've always thought that timelines are kind of BS, right? Of like, oh, you should be married by this age. You should have a house by this age. You should have, you should be out of debt by this age. You should have this, this, this by this age. Your network, like, don't subscribe to any of it because I think all timelines do is make us discontent is make us panic. And whenever we feel like we're behind, we go into freeze mode for a lot of us, which just makes us quote unquote more behind because we're actually not taking action towards the things that we want. So know that you are exactly where you are supposed to be regardless of where you are, regardless of how old you are. If you are 24, 34, 44, 54, 64, I don't know. You are exactly where you need to be. If this is something that you think about a lot and struggle with, please listen to episode 23, which is called Are You Behind? Number 10 is that being in a season of sacrifice is okay. It is okay if maybe right now or in the past or maybe even sometime in the future, you have to go into a season of sacrifices. I feel like in the instant gratification, you know, like social media world that we're in, it's just like, making tons of money and you just see all these people who are just having like all of this crazy success and you know they're they're making $100,000 a day and you're just like what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Like I'm over here like trying to save $10 on groceries and you know I'm I'm having to cut cut everything out and we can't we can't travel, we can't do it. Like I've been there. I remember being in that season in my early 20s and almost feeling like ashamed about it, like almost feeling like I shouldn't have to do this. I don't deserve this. I, like I should be able to have what I want when I want, just kind of this very like entitled mentality. But I think just getting to the point where you understand like for most people, there is going to be a season of sacrifice. And I think that's in anything that you're trying to achieve. 
you're trying to achieve a financial goal, a weight loss goal, you know, you're trying to deepen your relationships, you're trying to build a business, like it's all going to require sacrifice. And I think as a society, we have villainized that. Like we have told everybody, like, oh no, your path should be super quick and super easy and super aligned, and it should just feel very easy. And I just don't think that's true. Like, I just think that for a lot of us, having to make sacrifices is good because it actually has us evaluate our priorities and it actually has us say, like, no, this is actually something that I deeply want and deeply desire. And I'm willing to make sacrifices to get there. So just know that having to be in a season of sacrifice is okay. And Dave Ramsey always says this. I mean, I know we're not huge Dave Ramsey fans here, but I have been to his office a couple of times. He had um, like an influencer event that I was invited to. And this is one thing that I did like, right? When you walk into his building, the very first thing he has this huge sign on the side of the building. And it says, don't despise humble beginnings. And he talks a lot about his beginnings, about how he sold like his first book that he published himself like out of his car. And so if you feel like you're in the stage of like beginning and it's hard and like you're just not where you want to be yet. It's like don't despise the humble beginnings because there's so much good that's going to come out of it. I've also done a past episode on this, episode 90. It's called Financial Sacrifices. All right, 11. Money has so much more value than simply the physical things that it will buy you. When I was in my younger 20s and I was shopping a ton and spending a ton, money truly was only as good to me as what it would buy me. Seriously, it was just a very one-sided relationship. It, it was like, well, what is money for if not to spend it? And what is money for if not to just get stuff and have stuff and just hoard a bunch of things? But now that I'm older, the value that I get from money comes more so from the money that I don't spend, if that makes sense. It comes more so from the money that I have and I keep. And the older I get, like the less stuff that I want, the less stuff I desire because my relationship with money has changed so much. And now I feel like it's a giving relationship. Like I give to money and money gives back to me. But with that, it's like, yes, of course, some money I get, I'm going to spend, but it's also keeping it and saving it. I love my money so much more now because not spending it gives me so much. So this is kind of a trippy concept, but if this is something that's intriguing to you, listen to episode 74. That's called When You're Not Spending. Number 12 is if you can learn to pay yourself first, if you can learn to save and then spend versus spend and then save, that is going to pretty much set you up financially. Like if there's one concept that if somebody came to me and they're like, okay, if you could only tell someone to do one thing to succeed financially... It wouldn't be like invest when you're young. It wouldn't be get out of debt. Like it wouldn't be the typical things. It would be if you can learn the skill of paying yourself first, so many other things will just automatically take care of itself, right? Like getting out of debt pretty much takes care of itself. And starting to invest and save for future you pretty much takes care of itself. There's something called Parkinson's law, which I should have looked this up before. So I'm just going to try to like spitball it off the top of my head. But Parkinson's law really pertains to time, but it also pertains to so many areas, which basically says that something is going to take up the space that it's allotted for. And so this happens with our spending. So if you say like, oh, I have my entire salary to spend, so I'm going to spend and then save whatever's left, your spending will essentially expand to consume the entire input of your salary. Versus if you practice constraint and you say, I'm going to save first, I'm going to plan for future me first, and then I will save what's left over and I will fit my lifestyle into what's left over, it just creates so many less problems for you in the long term. 
Number 13 is learning to think about saving and spending not as conflicting choices, but actually as complementary choices to each other, right? Like I used to think of, okay, if I save, that's taking away from what I can spend. And I used to think of saving and spending as these two things that would like butt heads against each other. But now I actually view them as complementary, which serves me so much better because I had the revelation a couple of years ago that, oh my gosh, like saving money is simply just saying, I'm just choosing to spend this money later versus spending it now. And I think that's the question. Like, that's the question when we get paid or when we have money come in, the question becomes, do I want to spend this dollar today in the present moment or do I want to spend it in the future? Which do I choose? And there's going to be a balance between those two choices. For some, pools of dollars, you're going to say like, I need to spend this money now. I need it to pay my rent and I need it to pay my bills and I need it to you know feed my family and buy groceries. But then there's also going to be a pool of money that we choose to save, set aside, have, whatever you want to call it that feels good to you. But when we do that, I think it's like saving just has this connotation to it of like, oh, this just like, it's boring and it's not fun and I want to spend this money now. But it's reframing it to, no, I'm still like, I still get to spend this money. I'm simply just saying like, I'm not going to spend it right now. I'm going to spend it in the future. So it's not a matter of saving versus spending. It's simply just when am I going to spend this money? For some reason for me, like that really clicked. And when I made that revelation, it just made saving feel so much easier to me. Number 14 is you're smart and you work hard, but the marketers and the retailers are smarter and they work harder. (laughs) I've told you guys this so many times. There's just, especially in today's day and age, there's so many tricks that will get you to spend money. Like It's crazy nowadays that they have designed marketing and designed the messaging in a way to where they actually make us feel like we are losing out when we don't spend money. We are losing when we choose to save money and we are winning or gaining something when we choose to spend money and give our money over to them. So I think this realization is like, it's not saying I'm not smart. It's not saying I'm not savvy. It's not saying I'm not capable, but I'm also not a billion dollar company that has you know an entire team of people that are hired to study my psychology on a deep level and to put all these little tricks and tips to essentially manipulate me into getting to spend money. And I think coming to that realization has made me such a more savvy consumer and has saved me thousands of dollars thus far and probably tens of thousands of dollars over the rest of my lifetime, God will. If you want to hear more about these tactics, I've done an episode on it. It's episode 94, Tactics That Trick You. Number 15 is that your worthiness and my worthiness is already guaranteed. It's not something that has to be earned and it's not something that can be bought. I also think that this comes into using money conditionally, right? And I think as women, we tend to do this a lot where we use money as like a reward to say, oh, I've worked really hard. Oh, I deserve it. Oh, I'm going to go out and buy myself a treat. And that's something that I actually stopped doing like a year or two ago is I just stopped using money as a reward and just saying like, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to be treated for something. I don't have to be worthy of something to spend my money and to use my money as a tool. My only guidelines for myself are that I simply just make a plan for it ahead of time. And if that plan feels good and it feels aligned and I'm using my prefrontal power for that, like that's all that matters. 
And I think this taps a lot into the worthiness because when you know and believe that you are worthy, you don't have to use money as like this conditional tool to try to buy it. Also done a past episode on this. It's episode 103 called Worthiness. Number 16, I'm definitely going to be doing a future episode on this one. Use your money for you and not for other people. This is the difference between using your money in an authentic way versus an inauthentic way. Using your money in an inauthentic way is using your money really to seek external validation from people, to try to manipulate the way that people see you. We could also call this like people pleasing with money. But as long as you continue to use your money in an inauthentic way, it will always leave you feeling empty and chasing more attention, more praise, and more validation from other people. Spend your money for you. Spend your money in an authentic way where you don't need any external validation. You only need your own internal validation. And a question that I've been asking recently that I've been loving, and that has kind of been keeping me honest to this, is if no one else knew that I had this, if nobody else could see that I owned this, if I couldn't show it to anybody, or also if no one else's opinions fed into this decision, what would I do and what would I choose? So much of the money that we spend on ourselves, it's like not even really for ourselves, it's really for other people. And that is always going to be a dollar wasted. So working on spending your money for you makes your dollars go so much farther. Number 17 is that there's no amount of money that you can spend and no amount of stuff that you can buy that will make you the person that you keep trying to be. I'm not really going to say much here because honestly, I don't really even think I need to. I'm just going to say that again. There's no amount of money that you can spend and no amount of stuff that you can buy that is ever going to make you the person you keep trying to be. Your identity is an inside job. Work on the identity first and then allow your external environment to catch up to that identity, to reflect and to enhance that identity. Don't go searching for your identity out in the external world. That's never where it's going to be found. Number 18, learning to love yourself and be content with who you really are is one of the best financial choices that you can make. When you get yourself off the hot girl hamster wheel, as we like to call it in the industry, when you can kind of say like, I am content with who I am. I love who I am. I don't feel like I need to go out and change a lot of who I am to make myself feel good or popular or beautiful. Like I love and accept myself with exactly who I am and exactly what I look like. Giving yourself a raise automatically overnight. And so learning to love yourself and be content with who you are, you will reap the financial benefits of that. 19, true generosity is giving with no strings attached. The purest giving is the giving that we give to people when we expect nothing in return. I think this is a big one that I've seen over the past couple of years is just witnessing people giving things to people, whether it's giving them their time or giving them their money or maybe giving them their like attention or things like that. But they paint it as like, oh, I'm giving this to you and I'm doing you this huge favor, but there's always strings attached. There's always obligations attached. And to me, like that's not true generosity. To me, that's like tit for tat, quid pro quo. It's more of a contract, right? But it's even worse than a contract because it's like an unspoken contract. And maybe some of you who have been in a situation like that, like let's just stick with money. Maybe you've received money from like a parent or, you know, in-laws or another family member or a friend or something like that. It's almost like 
when you know that there's these unspoken expectations or obligations that come with it, it's like you don't even want it. It's not a true gift. And so to me, I've been in the practice of like, if I'm going to give someone something, if I'm going to give someone my money, my time, my energy, any of my resources, I'm never going to expect anything in return from them. It doesn't change the way I view them. It doesn't change the way that I want them to behave. And it doesn't give me the right or the power to tell them how they should be living their life. To me, that is true giving and true generosity. All right. That's all the money ones that I had. Let's do 20 through 34 because these are more like general life ones. And I'm like, oh boy, I need to, I need to speed up here. Okay. Number 20 is that there's no right way. You could say this for money. You could say this for a lot of things, but I think we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for like the path and the steps and the blueprint of like, how do I get from A to Z and give me the steps? But the truth is, is like, there's no right way. Just throw out the black and white rules, okay? And give yourself the authority and the permission to just make your own rules. Make your own rules. What do you want? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? And actually think about like, okay, what is it actually going to take for me to get there? And come up with your own plan. It's okay if it doesn't align with what the gurus tell you to do. It's okay if it doesn't align with what your friends are doing or with what your parents did or with what your parents like told you that you should do. Give yourself the power and have the confidence in yourself and in your ability to say, I know what I want and this is how I'm going to get there and I'm going to craft my own path and make my own rules that feel true and good to me. Number 21, this is probably one of the biggest lessons I learned this past year, is that you can just handle more than you think that you can. You're stronger than you think you are. You can handle things that in the past you would tell yourself like, there's no way I could do that. Like, There's no way I could handle that. If it really comes down to it and it's really something that you want or you see the value in it or you see the importance in it, you can do it and you will do it. Truly, I think if I had known how sleep deprived I was going to be this past year, I'm not saying I would have like decided not to have kids, but I think it really, I would have just been like, whoa, I really value my sleep. Y'all know that I'm like an eight to nine hour nighter kind of gal, like in a perfect ideal world. And that basically hasn't happened at all. (laughs) I don't even think like one night in the past year. If somebody had told me, hey, over the next year, on average, you're probably going to get like five to six hours of sleep. I would have told you I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't function. Like there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. And I've done it. And has it been hard? Yeah. Have there been days that I've fallen asleep at my desk? Yes. You can do hard things and you can handle more than you think. And if you see the value and the purpose in it, you will find a way to do it. Number 22 is just always looking to create before you consume. This is a big one for me. And this is something that I've actually kind of started working on just in my mornings is like, okay, in the mornings when I wake up, focus on creation before consumption. Before I pick up my phone and start checking emails or start consuming social media. It's like, what can I kind of like dive into that's going to pour into me before I start pouring myself into something else? And it's not saying that you can't consume, right? Like consumption is a part of life. We have to consume certain things to be able to live. But I think so many of us are like solely focused on consumption that we forget about the creation. And we also forget about how good creation feels because we do it so little now. Like how much how much dopamine we get from it, how much comes of it. Like there's so much beauty in the creation. And so saying like, how can I create before I consume today has been a game changer for me. 
23. This is big. I do this. I see you guys do it all the time too. Okay. I know you guys are going to go be going, yep, with this one. Never beat yourself up for a decision that you've made in the past because of new information that you have now, but you didn't have then. It's kind of this notion of like, well, I should have known better, right? And we do this all the time. Like in the present moment, we're like beating ourselves up about a choice that we made in the past when really in the past, all that was happening is like we were just trying to do the best that we could with the knowledge and the expertise and the experience that we had, which of course is different than what we have today. But still, we choose in the present moment to say, well, I should have known better. I shouldn't have made that choice. I should just know these things. And the truth is, it's like, no, (laughs) not true. What if that was the only way? What if that was the lesson? What if that was the whole point of all of this was for you to gain that knowledge and expertise that you have now, that now you can use to choose to move forward in a different way and that you can use to choose to make different decisions? But you didn't do better because you didn't know better then, but you know better now, but there's just no point in like beating yourself up about it. Let's find the lesson and let's move on. Number 24 is that your environment really, really, really matters. And that focusing on creating a space for you that feels clean, tidy, organized is really big. I would say over the past year or two, I've been really kind of diving into the effects of clutter, how it increases cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone. It puts you in a low-grade, constant state of fight or flight. It sucks up a lot of the mental load and the mental capacity that you have on a daily basis that could and honestly should be going towards other things. And so making sure that my environment is a place that I like to be, that feels clean, that feels like me, that feels organized. I don't feel super overwhelmed with a lot of the clutter. This doesn't mean you need to live in like this like beautiful, like aesthetically pleasing place. It just means like wherever you are, take care of your space, like put energy into it and know that it matters and know that it's important. Free some of that space up, free it up in your physical space, free it up in your mental space, free it up in within your finances. It's huge. It makes such a big difference. Episodes 87 through 89 of the podcast are all about clutter. I did one about physical clutter. I did one about financial clutter and I did one about mental clutter. So if you're like, yep, got to work on that go listen to episodes 87 through 89. Number 25, quality over quantity, man. I feel like this is so true in so many areas of my life, but really I think the biggest part is just my relationships. Becoming somebody who I'm like, I would rather have a much, much smaller number of very deep, high quality relationships than have a larger number of surface level, not super great relationships. I know a lot of studies have shown that like the biggest predictor of life happiness and life satisfaction is the quality of your relationships. And so I feel like to me, having just a good group of people in your life, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's people within your religious circle, right? But just having those good, high quality, deep relationships that you know are there and that you know you can pour into, but they're also going to pour into you, I think is super important. And so to me, I'm like, listen, it takes a lot these days to get me to the point where I'm like, you and I are going to be friends, right? Like Ryan and I joke all the time. He's like, you have like four friends. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I have my two best friends from high school that I'm still best friends with to this day. One just moved like five minutes down the road, which is so fun. And I have my two best girlfriends from college. 
And it's not to say that I'm not open to making friends, but I think to me, I'm like, listen, if you and I are going to become friends, like this is going to be a commitment, right? Like a lifetime thing, because if you and I are friends, like we're going to go deep. This isn't just going to be like surface level stuff, right? Because I hate small talk. I hate just, I don't know, meaningless chit chat, right? So just quality over quantity. I'm trying to practice that in a lot of areas of my life, but I feel like the most obvious area up until this point has definitely been my relationships. Number 26 is that I think I've just really come to terms that like I'm a pretty boring person. And I don't say that, like I don't want to say that in like a bad way, right? So let me rephrase that. I just feel like I'm not like a super adventurous person. I'm not somebody who like wants to go skydiving. I'm not somebody who wants to go bungee jumping. I don't want to really go to concerts. I don't really want to go to festivals. Like I'd rather watch a sports game on TV. I'm a homebody. I love being in my home. Now, could I stretch myself and go out and do those things? Like, yeah, I absolutely could. But I think I've just come to terms with the fact that like I'm introverted, I'm a homebody. I like being around my people that really kind of recharge my battery. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Like I think in my younger 20s, I was kind of like, oh, I have to be this like exciting person. I have to be this adventurous person that, you know, was like fun and like down for anything. And I think now that I'm 34, I'm just like, you know what? That's not me. It's not me. I am not that person. And in the past, it was something that I was kind of embarrassed by and ashamed by. And I tried to like hide and change about myself. And now it's something that I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it's just something that I think I recognize about myself. And it's not something that I'm actively trying to go out and change. And I've also become a lot more comfortable with just saying, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like if somebody is like, hey, do you want to go, you know, Gosh, let me think of an example. Again, because of my four friends, I don't really get a lot of invitations to go do things. I'm trying to think of an example, but like if somebody reaches out to me and they're like, hey, do you want to go and like do this like really fun kind of like crazy thing? I'm just like, no, I don't. I don't. Like truly, that sounds awful to me. You have the best time and I'll just be sitting at home like reading a book or playing with Palmer or doing something. Like have at it. It's just not for me. So I guess embracing that has been a good change for me. 27 is just the notion that there's no end destination. I did a recent podcast on this, episode 110, called The Arrival Fallacy, which has been one of my most downloaded episodes, and you guys loved that episode. But I think you loved it because this is so huge. This message right here is like, there's no end destination. There's no arrival point in life. And there's never going to be a point where like there is better than here because the 50-50 is going to be true for all humans at all points of life. The 50-50 is going to be different. The 50% good and bad is going to present itself in different ways at different points in your life. But there's really never any end destination that we're going to be able to get to, to say like, okay, all of my problems have been solved. So there's no end destination. And it's like embracing that and understanding that challenges and discomfort and the 50% negative emotion piece of life is always going to be there. It's going to be there when I'm in the apartment. It's going to be there when I'm a homeowner. It's going to be there when I am married and find the love of my life. It's going to be there when I become a mom. It's going to be there when I finally get into the job and I'm making the money that I want to make. There's no end all be all end destination. 28 is that contentment and gratitude don't come naturally. It has to be a practice. 
this kind of goes back to number two, where I was saying like your brain's a bully. Well, part of your brain being a bully is that it's wired for scarcity. It's wired for negativity and lack. And it's wired to always be looking at what you don't have versus what you do have. And because of that, you have to realize like, okay, if I want to feel content, if I want to feel happy, if I want to feel satisfied, I have to search for that. I have to look for it. I have to intentionally direct my brain there because my brain is not going to go there subconsciously and it's certainly not going to go there on its own. And so just kind of learning that like happiness is something that you seek. It's something that you have to find in your everyday life. It's not something that is just going to happen to you. It is a practice. Number 29 is that I found so much peace, so much inner peace just comes from letting other people be who they really are, being okay with that, and not assuming that you know best how other people should be living their lives. Whether you apply this to your spouse, or you apply it to a kid, or you apply it to a coworker, or maybe a business partner or whatever. But I think that so much of the pain and the stress that we create for ourselves in our daily lives has to do with other people. And it always has to do with what we think other people should be doing and how they should be living their lives. It's the manuals, right? Like it's the manuals that we have for other people that we think, I need you to behave in this certain way because I need you to either like affirm how I'm living or I need you to fit in this nice little bubble so that I can feel safe, so that I can feel comfortable, so that I can feel the way that I want to feel. But when you can learn to drop the manual for every single person in your life and for you to just say, like, I am going to let you be exactly who you are. I don't know what's best for you. I trust that you are the authority in your own life, just how I am my own authority in my own life. And so I am going to live my life in the way that I believe is best for me. And I am also going to give you that same respect to do the same for you. (sighs) I just want to give a big exhale even saying that. It's like just getting to that point gives you so much peace. And I find when you truly allow people to be who they really are, If you have an agenda for people and if you're actually trying to change someone, like that's actually the best path to get it to happen. Because when you are trying to like manipulate people and strong arm people and fit them into this box that they're not meant to fit in, they're going to reject that and they're going to reject you and distance themselves for you. All adults have authority. All adults can live their lives the way that they want. And it doesn't mean you don't set boundaries with people. It doesn't mean you don't protect your own emotional well being. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like let people be jerks to you or let people like run all over you. Like that's what boundaries are for. But that's not kind of the lens that I'm taking here. I'm talking about when we are trying to change and manipulate people so that we can feel better, when you can drop that and just let people be who they truly are, so much peace comes from that. Number 30, this one might be kind of controversial, especially with money, but it's that worrying isn't productive. Like worry is such an indulgent emotion that doesn't really do much good for you or for me. And now it doesn't mean I don't worry. I still have to remind myself of this, but I think that worrying gives you a false sense of control. And especially with money, like worrying feels very noble. It feels very responsible. It feels like, well, if I'm not worried about this, do I even care? If I'm not worried about this, like, am I even trying to fix the situation? But I find that, again, worrying is an indulgent emotion. We indulge in it. It makes us spin out. It makes us freeze. It makes us wallow in the negativity and in the bad. And it doesn't put us in action mode. It doesn't put us in problem solving mode. 
So then what happens is that our problems get bigger, which then just increases the worry because we think the bigger my problems are, the more I have to worry. And it's just a vicious cycle. So for me, reframing the emotion of worry to say, okay, brain, I know you want to be worried about this, rightfully so. And setting like a worry window to say, I'm going to allow myself to worry about this for 15 minutes, for the next 15 minutes. And then the worrying is going to be over. And then I'm going to get into solution mode. Then I'm going to get myself into action mode. That is actually the quickest way to solve for the worry is to not worry. And I know that everyone's like, oh, it's so easy, right? Like you just say like, well, stop worrying. And like magically I stop worrying. And I understand it's not as easy as just flipping on and off the worry switch in our brain, but it's also just realizing that this worry isn't doing for me what I think it's doing. And I think a lot of us think like when we're worrying about things that, again, we're helping the situation, but I think realizing, no, this worry isn't helping me. It's moving me farther. Ultimately from solving this problem, it was a game changer for me. 31 is letting people be wrong about you not giving any mental or emotional energy into trying to change the way that people see you or think about you. And just understanding that not everybody is going to see you the way that you see yourself or think about you in the way that you think about yourself, or even just think about you or see you in ways that you know are true for you. And that's okay. That's okay. Because I think the question is, do I want to spend my precious time and energy and resources like trying to maybe potentially change the way that this person sees me? But when we realize that ultimately we have no control over that, we have no control over the way that somebody perceives us or thinks about us. I just find it's just, it's such a waste of time. And I heard my coach say a couple of years ago, the biggest gift that I've ever given myself is getting to a point where I let people be wrong about me. People see me online. People think that they know me. People think that they can take things that I do and things that I say and make it mean certain things about me and that, oh, I'm this type of person or that type of person. And she said, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. And for the times that they're wrong, I don't spend any time trying to correct them. I just say, it's okay. They get to be wrong about me. Again, just gives you so much peace. 32, an aha moment, a big aha moment for me over this past year is your health is your most profitable investment that you can make in yourself. If you're sick, if you don't feel good, if you don't have energy, it's just the worst. (sighs) Truly, nothing else really matters, right? And I know that people who have gone through health issues and health scares, like they get to the point where they're like, your health is the most important thing. And I think a lot of us hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had a year this past year where I felt worse physically than I have this past year. Just so tired. You guys have heard in full transparency, like I gained a lot of weight in postpartum, dealing with all of that. And it's just, I just got to the point where I was just like, okay, Paige, like your health has to be your number one priority. Taking care of you, trying to get as much sleep as you can, trying to eat as good as you can, drinking lots of water, limiting the alcohol intake. That is the most important thing right now, because if you're not taking care of you and you don't feel good and you don't have energy, what else matters? When you don't have energy, you're not a good wife. You're not a good mom. You're not a good business owner. It's the most important thing. 33 is that forgiveness is really about you. It's all about you. I think we tend to think about like forgiveness is really about other people. Like it's like, oh, I'm choosing to forgive this other person who's done this thing to me, whatever it is. And we make it all about the other person. But really, forgiveness is more so about you. It's giving yourself the gift of forgiveness rather than giving 
somebody else the gift of your forgiveness. And again, this doesn't mean that by forgiving somebody that you're justifying their behavior. Like I said, set boundaries, learn the lessons and avoid the behavior. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you're excusing bad behavior, but also I think what happens when we don't forgive is bitterness and resentment start to build up. And bitterness and resentment are two of the most heaviest burdens and toxic emotions to carry with you. It feels like you've added a hundred pounds on your back when you are constantly carrying around bitterness or resentment against someone and just choosing to say like, I forgive you, not necessarily for you or not to necessarily justify what you've done or to make your behavior okay. But I'm giving myself the gift of unburdening myself from this and giving myself the peace of mind to move forward. That really is the gift of forgiveness. And 34, last and not least, is that the beginning of anything that you want is actually going to be filled with the emotion that you're trying to avoid, that you don't want to feel. (laughs) I actually saw a girl do a video of this on social media, and I thought she said it so beautifully. But she basically said, whatever it is that you want in the beginning, you're going to have to be okay with going through the opposite emotion in the beginning, which most people simply aren't willing to do. So she said, in order to become rich in the beginning, you're going to have to feel broke because you're going to have to start saving more. You're going to have to start spending less, right? Your lifestyle might have to change or be different. So she's like, in order to get rich, you might have to feel broke for a while. In order to become emotionally healthy and to work through trauma, you might have to feel broken in the beginning to get to a point where you feel healed. If you want to become healthier, if you want to become stronger, in the beginning, you're going to have to go through a point where you feel physically weak in order to get to a point where you feel physically strong. And I was like, whoa, I've like never thought about it like that. Like it's true, right? It's absolutely 100% true. I've just never thought about it like that. It's like, am I willing in the beginning to go through the opposite emotion? of what I want, right? And it seems so counterintuitive and so backwards kind of to say like, well, if I want to feel rich, like why would I have to feel broke? Or if I want to feel strong, why would I have to feel weak? But it's like, no, the way to get to what you want, the way to get to the emotion that you ultimately desire most is through the opposite emotion because the opposite emotion is always going to be there in the beginning stages of growth. So that was really impactful for me. So that was 34, y'all. That's That's it. That's what I have for you. 34 life lessons in my 34 years of life. I am back on social media this week. Again, tune in on Thursday. I am super, super excited to tell you guys like what I've been up to. If you have ever like thought about working together, if you've thought about joining overcoming overspending, and it's something you either haven't gotten around to, it hasn't been the right time, and it hasn't been financially an option for you at this point, I'm making a lot of big changes that I think is going to change that for a lot of you. And so tune in on Thursday, just get the information, and I'm excited to share it with y'all. I love you. Have a great week, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, 
student community group and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled purposeful and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.